Amen. It's good to be back with y'all. Um, I can't believe we're at the end of April, but here we are. Philemon. I had to retrain myself how to say that. I've said Philemon my whole life, and apparently that is incorrect. So, Philemon. Here we go, right? Um, if you know me, you know how much I love sports. In fact, it's the place where my mouth gets me in trouble the most. But it's no surprise I'm going to start with a story about an athlete. His name is Will Thomas. Some of you know, might know him by the name Leah Thomas. Will is a swimmer. He was on the men's team at the University of Pennsylvania. However, in 2018, he came out as transgender to his family. He was required to swim on the men's team, but during COVID completed a year-long stint of hormone replacement therapy. He followed all of the gender-related policies to be eligible to compete as a woman per the NCAA rules. Will Thomas swam on the women's team from 2021 to 2022. He shattered his opponents and became the first openly transgender athlete to win an NCAA Division I national championship. Leah Thomas, or Will Thomas as I like to call him, says, the very simple answer is, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. So I belong on the women's team. Who is Will Thomas, man or woman? More importantly, who defines that? Does he define that? His coaches, the NCAA? Do we get to define who he is? Who are you? Who defines you? What in the world does this have to do with Philemon? As I read through this book, I kept seeing words, phrases, things that defined people's identity. And with the identity crisis in our world today, we need to start with a foundation of what a Christian identity truly is before we get to the reconciliation. I want you to understand why we put Colossians and Philemon together. The text tells us that Paul wrote both of these letters while he was in prison and most likely sent them at the same time. Philemon was a Colossian. He was part of the church there. So there is no doubt that he had heard the letter of Colossians and he knew everything that was being taught there. Philemon was a believer, a big part of the church knowing these foundational truths. Paul is continuing on these truths and calling Philemon to application of these truths. We have three points today. Number one, who defines our identity? Who defines it? Number two, Christ changes our identity. Number three, a changed identity leads to changed relationships. I'll repeat those as we go through them. Number one, who defines our identity? For Christians, God is our authority. He defines who we are. For non-believers, even though they don't acknowledge it, God is still their authority. We see non-believers suppressing the truth. We don't have time to read this whole passage, but write down Romans 1, verse 18 through 25. Paul tells us there, what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it to them. Who God is, 
what he has made is clear because of the creation of the world. But the ungodly, the unrighteous, suppress the truth. Sin makes people suppress the truth. It is clear God defines our identity. We are made in the image of God, Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Yet human beings exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Idolatry replaces our design to worship God. We worship the creature instead. We see this in our face all around us. For the believer, you are set apart in that you submit to the authority of God. Point number two, Christ changes our identity. Paul is the author of Philemon. We love him, right? Paul knows who he is. But wait, wasn't he formerly known as Saul? Saul was there at Stephen's stoning. Do you remember Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit? Saul approved of his execution. He was the ringleader of the great persecution against the church. Saul dragged Christians, men and women, to prison. He breathed threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord. Christ changes our identity. In Acts 9, we see the light from heaven blind Paul, and we hear Jesus speak to him. In Acts 9, 17, Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul will be known as Paul. He has his eyes open to see, his ears open to hear, and he has been filled with the Holy Spirit. He has been converted. He's experienced regeneration. He has been born again. Now Paul knows who he is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Philemon opens in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Paul looks at his status as a prisoner through the eyes of his identity in Jesus. His circumstances do not change who he is. I'll say that again. His circumstances do not change who he is. Paul explained this identity in Colossians 1, 13 through 23. And it's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it because it is so powerful talking about our identity that moves us into reconciliation. I'm plugging in pronouns for God and Jesus because it's just more powerful. Colossians 1, 13. God, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. By Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. In Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning. 
In Jesus, everything might be preeminent. In Jesus, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Through Jesus, God reconciled all things to himself, making peace by the blood of his cross. Paul knows his identity, for in it and through it is how he sees everything. Did you hear what he said about those other people in the first couple of verses? Is Timothy really his brother? Or is he his brother in Christ? Philemon, his beloved fellow worker, in Christ. Aphia, our sister, in Christ. Archippus, our fellow soldier, in Christ. Paul has been so radically changed by the power of God that everything he does is in Christ, for Christ, through Christ, to Christ. He has new eyes, no longer a slave to the world, but a slave to Christ. He has kingdom of God vision, and that's the only way he can see. Point number three, a changed identity leads to changed relationships. That's the heart of this letter, isn't it? Let's look at Onesimus. Onesimus is a bondservant or a slave. We have to understand that first century slavery was very different than what comes to our mind. A bondservant in the Roman Empire was very common. Some slaves were highly educated and served in ways of household managers, accountants, tutors, whatever was needed to be run around the household. Roman law also allowed slaves to earn their own money and own their own property. They could even have their own slaves and purchase their freedom. This is a very different relationship than what comes to our mind of what happened in the 1600s. Philemon was a master. We are told that Onesimus was his slave and ran away. It is more than likely that either Onesimus stole from Philemon or incurred him a really large monetary loss. Paul hints at that in verse 18 and 19. There are not a lot of details, but what we know, Philemon is a believer and a master. Onesimus is a bondservant and not a believer. He has wronged his master and he has run away. Then Paul tells us something changes. We hear the first language of change in verse 10. Paul calls Onesimus his child and refers to himself as his father. The next verse hints of another change. Onesimus was once useless, now he's useful. In verse 16, we are told that Onesimus is more than a slave. He is a brother. It's a lot of identity change right there. Paul indicates that he was his spiritual father. He took Onesimus under his wing, taught him the gospel. Now we see Onesimus as a tried and true believer. Paul has seen repentance, change, and fruit. He is no longer defined as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Matthew Henry says, Do not miss the goodness and mercy of God to a poor, wandering sinner. Remember Colossians 3.22? Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly master, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Paul said this, Philemon knows this, and Onesimus heard this. Onesimus is in clear violation of the law, earthly and spiritually. 
So what makes Onesimus go from a slave to a brother? God's mercy. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. When Christ changes our identity, he calls us from death to life. We are adopted as his son or daughter. It changes our identity and our relationships. So why are relationships so hard? Sin, brokenness. We don't have to look far to see the brokenness in relationships. Pride, selfishness, coveting, divorce, substance abuse, sexual abuse, murder, sickness, loneliness, death. It's all around us. The effects of sin break down everything. And sometimes this brokenness makes us feel like there is no hope. So we cannot miss this major point of reconciliation. Paul appeals to Philemon. Forgive Onesimus because that is what the gospel calls us to do. Reconciliation is a big word, but in in smaller terms, it means to bring back to a former state of harmony, to settle, to restore. Why do we need bringing back? Remember at creation, nothing was broken. Everything was sinless and in perfect harmony and relationship. Through Adam, the curse of sin was brought into everything into creation. We need to be brought back to a former state of harmony with God. We need sin to be settled. This is what we just read in Colossians 1.19. Paul knows he is building on this the whole time. Listen for the reconciliation. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, God reconciled all things whether in earth or on heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, believer, he's talking to believers, you who were once alienated, we were far off, we were broken, we were not in harmony, our account needs to be settled and restored. We were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Jesus now reconciles us in his body of flesh by death, and presents us holy, blameless, and above reproach. How is it possible? God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. As a result, you stand before God holy and blameless without a single fault. The second the Holy Spirit invokes this act of regeneration, all of this is true. Everything that is true of Christ is true of you. Now as God the Father looks at Jesus the Son, that's how God sees you. You are righteous. You are holy. Jesus covers you. Paul is telling Philemon, we don't stop with knowing God reconciled us. Reconciliation in relationships is a way we fight to push back the curse. If you are a child of God, you are called to reconciliation. Onesimus has been born again. He sees his sin. He is coming back because this sin needs to be settled 
and needs to be restored. I remember a couple of weeks ago when we were studying Colossians 3. Remember all the putting on? Put on then as God's chosen ones. You believers, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must forgive. I remember Paula Hedgepeth making the comment, all of those things must be worked out in community. You can't be on your own island to put on all of those things. Relationships, community, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit live in perfect harmony and relationship. It's what we were made for. It's how it started. It's what was broken, but that is what we are working for on this side of heaven until it is fully restored. Paul appeals to Philemon. Because you are reconciled through Christ to God, go, be reconciled to Onesimus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All of this is nice and wonderful when we're talking about my sin being forgiven. But you are telling me to forgive this guy and I just lose all of that money, all of that time, all of that pain, everything I spent on him. We can relate to that, can't we? We have relationships that have been years of hurt and pain and heartache. Paul gives Philemon an emphatic, yes, go. Paul goes so far in verse 8 to say, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet that is not the goal, is it? Just to go through the motions and get it done? Verse 9, Paul says, Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. Verse 14, I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. He was saying, I want you to do this because you believe in doing this, not because you are forced. How in the world can Philemon want to do this? Because of what Christ has done for him. That is the source, the motivating factor that should move all of us. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ is the motivating factor that can move us from duty to delight. So let's get personal. Where is God calling you to repent? Where is God calling you to forgive? Where is a place in your life that needs reconciliation? Sometimes I think it's those little things that creep in more sometimes than the big ones. I think about how many times comments are made that are clearly offensive and hurtful, but we just sweep them under the rug. Yet that person is a sister in Christ, but because of our pride, our insecurity of self, it just goes unchecked and it causes division. How many times has our idolatry of self, money, kids, sports, caused us to lose sight of our identity in Christ and all kinds of selfish things come flying out of us? 
sometimes reconciliation could mean speaking life into broken places of your good friend who is struggling and reminding them of the reconciliation in Christ that is and is to come. Something I love about this story is Onesimus' son is not just swept under the rug. It's out there. He's wrong. He messed up. But he's not running away anymore. He is returning. And Paul says on his behalf, I know he was wrong, but I believe that God has forgiven him, and I'm asking you to do the same, brother. We are Christians. We are family. So let's right this relationship and work together. If we forget our identity in Christ and we are focused on self, what we don't have, how we've been hurt, what we can never have in this life, things that we wanted or longed for, we are looking at the creature instead of the creator. But God, rich in mercy, if we look to God and what he has done for us through Jesus Christ, remember Colossians 1? You, me, we were his enemies. We were separated from God. But... We are now reconciled because of the death of Jesus Christ. As a result, he has brought us into his presence, holy and blameless, without a single fault. Because God has given us more than we could ever ask for through his son Jesus, we can say with a full-hearted belief, Yes, sister, I forgive you. I know that there are hurts so deep and a brokenness so big. But we have to know that because we believe Jesus paid for our sin, we can also believe that Jesus paid for our neighbor's sin. The deeper we know God, the more that it starts coming out of us. Remember when Paul said in verse 18, If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Paul is being a mediator for Onesimus. That almost sounds like what Jesus did for us. I think it's an invitation. Let's pray. God, we are overwhelmed that you could look at a sinner who has offended you so greatly, but see us through Jesus, your son, as righteous and holy. I pray that you would take us so deep in that knowledge, that it would absolutely overwhelm us and change us, that we could go out in the world and it would radiate. It would radiate through our relationships, through reconciliation. I thank you for this body, our church. I pray that you would bond us together, help us to see when we sin, when we need to repent, and how we can reconcile God, use this church and these women for your glory. We thank you for the power of the Spirit. We pray that your Spirit would guide us, would lead us, would change us, and use us to push back the curse. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.